The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, continuing our season previews of each and every one of the 30 baseball teams around to get you ready for your fantasy baseball seasons. We head to the AL Central to talk some Chicago White Sox tonight. We have a special guest, a friend of the show, coming back on to join me. I've had the pleasure of meeting him twice in Arizona. He has a awesome new podcast with our buddies Carlos Marcano and Torres Takes, Chris Torres, uh, on Triple Play Fantasy called the Fantasy Baseball Beat, where they get all the awesome beat writers to talk about to get those team thoughts as well. He also writes for Nine Any Know It All, and most importantly, a lot of his written content at Fantrax.com. Find him on Twitter at MDRC0508, the good doctor himself, Mike Carter. How are we doing, my friend? Bubba, how are you, man? Pleasure to be back on with you. Let's talk about some White Sox tonight, man. Yeah, it's a fun team. It's a team that I think we could both admit uh, kind of underachieved expectations last year. But um, there's hope again this year. If guys stay healthy, we should have uh, some fun this year. So um, let's not you know, let's not, let's not beat around the bush here. Actually, first before, I kind of plugged what you have going on. But if you would like to expand on like what recent articles you have or recent guests on your show, knock yourself out. Yeah, you know, um, we're doing the fantasy baseball beat. Thanks for pointing that out. It's been a lot of fun. We're kind of learning as we go. Um, I need to work on finding a voice because I sound like I need medication when I talk, I think. So uh, we're working on it together. And it, obviously when somebody asks you to be part of something with guys like Carlos and Chris, you do it. And it's, it was very easy decision for me to get involved. It has the blessing of my family because it means that I'm leaving them alone one night a week and they don't have to interact with me. So they're pretty happy about that. But it's been a lot of fun and, and we're really enjoying it. And as you said, I, I write weekly for Fantrax and I'm 
going to be increasing my footprint there a little bit. It looks like uh, I write about bullpens there, but I'm going to try writing some other things as well. I'm going to try doing um, some strategy pieces here coming up in the next couple of weeks and trying my hand at a few different things to see if I can expand the repertoire a little bit. You know, that's what it's all about, right? Is continuing to learn and grow. And that's what I'm seeking to try to do. Even as I turn 50 this year and become the old guy of the group, um, I'm really still trying to continue to learn and grow and, and, and be around people like you and just continue to absorb the stuff that you guys do and the knowledge that you have. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great to watch. Like I was telling you before the show, watch you grow because I've basically known you since you started doing all this. So it's been fun to watch and you know, you got some good stuff going over there. So looking forward to seeing what's next as you expand your repertoire and do all that fun <laughs> stuff. Uh, let's talk Chicago White Sox now. It's a fun team. It's a fun team because there's a lot of like potentially high ceiling players on this team. But there's other there's injuries concerns and, and whatnot. But let's just let's kick it off with the man himself, Eloy Jimenez. It's like the buzzword around fantasy baseball nowadays. You know, we know who he is. We know he's a great hitter. We know he can hit for power, hits for great average. Can he stay on the field? Can he avoid walls? What can he do? Uh, when he came back from injury last year, though, he got the DH and was very, very good. So what's your take on 2023? Because it looks like he'll DH, but then there's like a, a rumble somewhere. Like, oh, no, maybe he'll play the outfield again. What's your thoughts on Eloy in 2023? It's really, really interesting you bring that up because when Pedro Grafal was named manager, one of the first things he said was, I'm going to tell Eloy to leave his gloves at home and just bring his bats. And we rejoiced because this guy plays left field like he's on roller skates, right? Mm-hmm. I just, he's like a big, he reminds me of the the Goonie bird in the old cartoons, you know, the, the guy that can't stop himself from moving once he gets going. Yep. He cannot play left field. He cannot play right field. He cannot play any outfield. I, I just want him to DH. And I think that's what they're going to do. I, I think the signing of uh, Andrew Benintendi, who I'm sure we'll bring up in here at some point as well, was the precursor to them moving him out of left field and moving him to the permanent DH role. I know that Eloy has soured on that to some extent because he's still a young guy. You know, he's he's only 25 for as long as he's been around, which crazy. is crazy. But they have to protect him from himself. And the best way to protect him from himself is to let him DH and to remind him that when he hits ground balls in the hole, he shouldn't be trying to be like Luis Robert and beat them to first base. He's here to hit home runs. Let's be really honest about what he is. He's a guy that if he is healthy and plays 130, 135 games, is easily going to hit 30 and could possibly hit 40 home runs in that lineup. Um, As you said, his second half was on par with the best players in baseball. I think he was third in the majors in WRC plus, which I know is not the be all and end all of stats, but it is a good comp for old yep. people like me to kind of fathom what's going on around us. I think he's going to DH. I think he's going to stay healthier. Um, the White Sox have really made a large focus this off season on strength and conditioning, but not so much on the weightlifting, but more on flexibility and yoga and working these guys on some of that soft tissue stuff that really just absolutely submarine their season last year was soft tissue injuries. So I love Eloy. I, I, I think where he's going is a, a pretty fair price at this point. I think he was yesterday. I think when I checked, he was maybe 77 ADP somewhere in there. Uh, I think that if you're getting him there, he's probably your second outfielder and the upside on him, I think is immense and I'm in. Yeah, I'm with you. He's a, he's a fun name. I was expecting his ADP to climb more by now. So, yeah, he's around 77-ish right now. And with all the buzz, you think he'd go up, but maybe there's just not enough room with you know the pitchers and everything that go with the, those rounds right before him. But 
you'd imagine he comes up and uh earlier today i was watching mlb network while i was doing some computer work and um they have some guys over there at the white Sox camp and they're interviewing eloy and he had a cut off tight cut off shirt and the shorts and they're going oh goodness gracious this guy's in shape this is like just stay healthy just stay healthy young man like you're ready to roll uh he's got the guns going at the gun show out it was just like okay game time come on so I'm with you. I think he's, he's in for a big deal. Like we know he's not going to steal a ton of bases, but no, the other four categories could be elite, elite. Abs- at that, absolutely. At that and, and the thing about him too, is that, you know, a lot of times we, I think we associate in fantasy guys that have light tower power as my friend, Sarah Sanchez calls it. I, I they don't hit right. Like they're going to hit for a two thirty average, but this guy's a potential 300 hitter too, you know? So he's really a kind of a unicorn here uh, at 77. I like him there. Yeah, the way I like to compare him is it's like 60 picks later, but he's a poor man's Jordan Alvarez to me. Like, it's probably, you know, 10-ish home runs less. Maybe not. Maybe he gets into it and really gets going. But batting average-wise, other counting stats, he can give you something 60 picks later that could uh, be pretty awesome if you miss out on the big guy in Houston. Let's talk Lou Bob. You talked about Luis Robert earlier. Um, We know how talented he is. There's no questioning that. He's still going in the late first rounds in a lot of drafts. Power, speed, hits for average also, just like uh, Eloy. It's just, man, you mentioned those soft tissue injuries. Like, it just could not keep him on the field. And it's been a trend for yeah. Luis Robert. So how are we feeling on uh, in 2023? Are we are we willing to take another chance on Lou Bob? Yeah, I think you have to be. And, I, and I, last year, I, I have to give him a lot of credit. I think, you know, he had kind of gotten the – Byron Buxton kind of label put on him, immense talent, can't stay on the field, gets these freak injuries, um, the soft tissue, as you said. But, you know, he was essentially playing the second half uh, with uh, with one hand, you know, and uh, he had hurt his wrist and he was trying to kind of work through it. And, you know, he, they didn't have any other options to spell him, right? I mean, the drop-off from him to Adam Engel was just too much for anybody to bear. So him playing with one hand was better than anything else that they had. And he really tried to gut his way through it. And then they completely mismanaged the injury. I have no idea if it was Larusa or if it was upper management that he would sit for a week and then he would play and then he was out for another three or four days. Like, it was just crazy. So I think – you know, the fact that it was a wrist injury, it always gives you a little bit of pause when you're talking about hitters, right? But I think, you know, with a winter to rest and and COVID kind of being on the down low there, and, and you look at what he's able to do, you know, I think he's going to bounce back. And I, I, I don't know if he's ever going to be what people thought he could be, but yet he's only 25. It's too soon to throw in the towel on him. I mean, he he should fall out of bed and be a 2020 guy, you would think, with the possibility of doing more than that. I think the White Sox are going to run a lot. I think they're going to run a lot more than they did under La Russa. Um, and I, I, that, to me, kind of upset uh, Ante for him a little bit. Now, his his ADP had kind of fallen. I mean, I think around yeah. Christmas time, he was around 35 or 36, and now he's down around 49.50. Yep. And I think at that price, like – I. I think it might be sneaky. Like that's the kind of move to me and maybe I'm wrong and you'll tell me, I know you'll tell me if I am, but drafting him is the type of move that could win you the league. Right. Yeah. I mean, like you never know what's going to really end up happening, but I, I I'm giving him another shot. You know, I'm all again on last year because he really did try to play through it. And when he did, he was still pretty good anyway. I mean, he had 12 home runs, 56 RBIs, stole 11 bases, hit 284 with one hand. 
Yep. He's the, uh, he's like the overall champion type stuff. He could shoot the moon. Uh, you have like Cedric Mullins, Natalie Garcia going around him. They might be quote unquote, the safer floor players. Um, but if you got, you want the total ceiling, cause yeah, he's going around pick 48, 49 now used to be a first early second round talent. So you are getting that discount if he stays healthy. It's an if, but yeah, they mismanaged it so bad last year. Again, like you said, you wouldn't put him on the IL. You'd have him in your roster, and you couldn't drop him. You're never dropping Lou Bob. It was just such a, such a mess with uh, that whole situation. So glad uh, Drunk Uncle Tony's out of town. That's one of those you know, really beautiful you know, things. You know, it's a funny story, a true story. I was at the White Sox-Dodgers game with Jack, and one of my oldest friends in the world, the game that he intentionally walked Trey Turner – and then the three-run homer came after that. And so I was talking to my friend, and I wasn't paying attention. And I turned to Jack. I said, well, how did Turner get the first? Did he hit him? He goes, no. He's like, he just held up his hand, and he went to first base. I was like, holy hell, did he intentionally walk him? And he did. You should have seen me trying to explain that to an 11-year-old on the yeah. way home. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was so good. Couldn't, couldn't even no. fathom. It was, it was so, so bad. So oh, bad. my God. It was nuts. I'm, I'm amazed that I, I might have had a heart attack and not known it. I, I don't know. But I mean, I'm surprised with Tony La Russa being back last year that I did not have one. Yeah, such a bad – yeah, some, he had pictures on somebody. That's all I know. Um, let's go to shortstop here, Tim Anderson. Uh, we know how great of a hitter he is, power, speed, another great batting average guy. But you look at Timmy Anderson, and it's been a while since he played a full season. That's the kind of – the bugaboo with him, um, you know, his draft price has gone down from years past, so you're not paying a premium premium anymore. But the talent's great. Uh, are we buying back in on Tim Anderson, or are we a little more concerned than maybe we are with Lubob? I'm a little concerned um, just because he's five years older than the other guys that we were just talking about. And, uh, you know, being on the wrong side of 30 uh, can be tough for a, a baseball player that's created in the image that Tim Anderson is right and I, I think the one thing that's going to be really interesting to see with him is what his attitude is kind of moving forward you know he was he was pretty blah last year even when he was healthy you know there there had been rumors that he was having some family issues and God you know people forget that all the time right Bubba like you know you and I are normal dudes with jobs and families and what like so are they yeah. right and so if you're having trouble or you've got a sick kid, it wears on you. It doesn't matter if you're a million dollar athlete or just a schlub like me, it doesn't matter. It wears on you. And so he, he got hurt. He had the, he had the hand issue. Um, he missed uh, a lot of time. He only played 79 games last year. What he gave you in 79 games was pretty much what we've come accustomed to Tim Anderson bringing, right. You know, a little limited power, not, not a 25 home run guy, like a lot of people want him to be, but he was running. He stole, he had 13 steals when he went down, and he was sitting over 300, and we know that he never walks. And I just I worry that that's going to turn ugly on him at some point. You know that once the bat starts to slow down, not that it's necessarily there yet, but if he's not taking walks, then that uh, batting average is going to precipitously decline. I think. Um, I, I think I would consider him after the top seven or eight shortstops are off the board. So I guess it depends on how the draft is going to me. Uh, I prefer him over a guy like say like Wander Franco uh, at this point, who's similar ADP. Um, it, him or Bogarts is probably a coin flip for me, but I probably have this position honestly set before I get to this point in the draft. Um, I'm going, I've been going shortstop pretty early and kind of trying to see how that works out for me. So I wouldn't mind having Tim Anderson as like my middle infielder if I, if I decided to go in a direction there. Um, but I'm a little wary of him being my shortstop one, just because I'm worried about the health like you brought up. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. He's just a tough one because talent's there, but it's been a perennial thing. And 
a di- all different injuries. So it's not like you can just pinpoint one thing. It's been a, a weird deal with him. Let's talk about some of the youth here. Andrew Vaughn, who finally got to kind of play regularly once I guess Tony stopped making the calls. I don't know. That was one of the more <laughs> frustrating situations out there. You know, the power went up a little bit last year, but it started to hit for average. And I saw him in college at, at Cal. He's just one of the better pure hitters I've seen. He reminded me yeah. his stature then was a lot like Josh Donaldson to me. Just looks mm. just like him. Um, and the dude's super talented. And I've heard a lot of mixed reviews. Like some people think he's not going to get to the elite talent that people are like certain people talk about. Some say he's still going to be pretty good. And you got to pay a little more of a draft price for him now when, you, when you're looking at uh, ADP. He's going around 147, 150-ish, give or take. Just not like, like crazy, crazy, but you're still paying a decent price for him. So what's your thoughts on Andrew Vaughn this season? Uh, I think I think he's going to be great. <laughs> and, and I know I sound like a homer because I'm saying all these guys are so good and whatnot, but, you know, the, the Sox were terrible last year and they were 81 and 81, right? So it's important to remember that. And they're in a really terrible division. They really – they have the best – team in the division on paper and we know that paper doesn't win you anything but they do and I think one of the things that really happened around here was that people were really lamenting letting Jose Abreu walk and I think it was absolutely the right move Vaughn is not an outfielder they kept trying to play him in the outfield he's a good soldier he went out there and did it he was a good teammate and did the best that he could but he was out of position. So imagine that you're a 23 or 24 year old guy. He's only got 205 minor league at bats. They thrust him into a position that he's not familiar with playing and he's not good at it. I mean, let's just face facts. I mean, we didn't, the White Sox had one outfielder all year, really last year, right? I mean, Eloy is a butcher sheets and, and Vaughn are not really outfielders. They were masquerading. They're trying to get bats in the lineup and it didn't work. So Letting, letting Abreu walk, I think, and going to Houston, where he, I think, will is going to become like a glorified version of Yuli Gurriel is what I keep saying. I don't – I know that a lot of people think his power is going to come back and he's going to hit 30 home runs with the Crawford boxes there. I don't see it. I, what I saw last year was a guy who was swinging really hard still but was hitting – had a high ground, ground ball rate and uh, was sacrificing power for trying to hit the ball harder because he's fading. He's going to be 36. And while I wish I was 36, um, uh, that's getting a little long in the tooth. He's got a lot of baseball under the belt. And so I think letting Vaughn play first base is going to remove one of the mental hurdles that he had last year. And when I see him, you said Donaldson's a comp, and I like the Donaldson comp. But the body comp for us here that a lot of people were were saying he was like was was Jeff Bagwell. Now, obviously, I know Jeff Bagwell is a Hall of Fame player, but the stature is similar. The swing is similar. I think Vaughn's going to develop more power as he kind of develops into his body. I mean, last year, the guy has barely played minor league baseball. He had 270 with 17 home runs. He led the team in home runs, which is surreal. You wouldn't have thought that somebody hitting 17 home runs would lead the White Sox. Not the White Sox. But um, I thought he more than held his own, and he struggled at certain points, which was to be expected. And then he sort of reinvented himself, hitting gap to gap and taking a lot of balls to right center which to me is a sign of a really good hitter a la Miguel Cabrera, right? Like guys that are like that, I'm not saying he's that guy, but guys that are do stuff like that, keep my eyes open to something that could be bigger down the road. Um, I don't think he's going to have to bat in the top part of the order. I think he's they're going to be able to hide him a little bit further down. I think his natural talent's going to win out. I, I think that we're liable to see a guy hitting closer to 300 than a guy hitting 30 home runs, but I think the 30 home run power is there eventually. Um, I don't think it's there this year, but I definitely think that he's going to give you a, a top 12 performance at first base. I, I firmly believe that. 
I love it. And, and you you hit the, the big part for me there at the end is some people think he's got this crazy, crazy power, which he probably has in there. Like if he hits like a 90th percentile power, but I think he's more of a 20 to 25 home run guy. It's the batting average, which I think he brings to the table. Like you said, he's a pure, pure hitter. And that gap to gap ability is what gives him that batting average. He might get you 40 something doubles. Like he, he could he could easily do that. Wouldn't shock me in driving a ton of runs that way. So I, I'm with you on Vaughn in that regard. Some people say his price is a little too steep. I don't think so at 150, especially if you wait on first base. You know, it's like Rizzo, Vaughn, like Mount Castle, like you're in that range. Just right. kind of depends on roster construction, basically. And I think there's, there's definitely an angle to go there with Andrew Vaughn for sure. Let's go to the newest White Sox, or one of the newest White Sox, Andrew Benintendi, who comes over from Kansas City. We know him from his days in Boston. Really good OBP guy, pretty solid batting average guy, little pop, little speed. Casey was not the place for him. I love mm-hmm. this move to the White Sox. I think this is a phenomenal move to the White Sox. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to light the world on fire, but I think for fantasy value, it definitely kind of brings him back onto the radar, at least. How do you like Ben Benintendi in 2023? You know, I, I when the when the free agency started, one of the things that I was frantically calling for on online and on Twitter was for them to sign Ben Benintendi because I thought he was a perfect fit for what they need. They got a bunch of guys that can hit home runs and are free swingers, but they don't have a lot of guys that have played discipline and they don't have a lot of guys that can get on base. And to me, he's the perfect number two hitter on this team. Um, he's left-handed, which they sorely lack left-handed pop as we know. And I, and I think, you know, last year he had five home runs. I think he's better than that. I think he's going to hit more than that. I think he sold out a little bit to hit for the higher average too, sort of like uh, a Bray did in a way where, um, he was making great contact. He was really driving the ball well the other way last year. Um, I noticed that when he was in Kansas City last year, that was real eye-opening for me before he got traded, that he was really hitting the ball with authority the other way. And I'm like, wow, that's a sign of a guy that's really kind of starting to feel better. Because for about a year there, he looked completely lost. It looked like me swinging, which is not a good look for anybody. I think he's going to bring low double-digit home runs. In the best-case scenario, maybe 14 or 15. It is this. It is guaranteed rate, also known as the sell. You know, it's been fairly – I think it was more hitter friendly that, you know, a few years ago than it is now, but it's still pretty hitter friendly. And I think he's going to get on us at the table. So I think this is a guy that could steal upwards of 20 bases as well. I really think Rafal is going to have these guys moving and running. And with Tim Anderson and Ben Intendi at the top of the lineup, they're going to score a lot of runs potentially. So I, I think the 300 might be a little bit of a mirage, but you know, if you, if you take Ben Intendi with the thought that he's like your third or maybe fourth outfielder and you know what you're getting and don't go crazy with what you think he's going to provide for you. He's a pure volume guy, right? He's going to get 600 at bats. He's going to play every day. He's going to play really good defense in left field. He might get you 15 home runs, might get you 20 stolen bases. And he's going to help if you take risks with batting average, right? I mean, there's a lot of that going around, right? Like you, you got a lot of guys that are 220, 230 hitters. Like you look at a guy like Schwarber, He's going to hit 40 home runs if he just stays awake, right? But mm-hmm. it, you got to counterbalance that by having a guy that can kind of even out that average at least a little bit. And Benintendi, I think, is a really good guy like that, a la Alex Verdugo, kind of similar type of guy, right, that can kind of even that out for you even if you don't get a ton of other stuff. So I think you're going to get a lot of runs. I think you're going to get some steals. I think you're going to get a pretty decent batting average. And to me, that's valuable. 100%. I like how you mentioned the, the batting average is such a key thing in these later rounds that I really try to highlight a lot with certain players like um, like super late, especially even later than Benny. And Benny's going around 220. I think it's a great value because you still get the – I actually talked about him on the, the recent Bub in the Bathup Outfield deal. 
he was a later round guy I liked because you're going to get double digit power and speed, at least 10 and 10. If not, like, like he's got the ceiling to go higher, like you said. Like 20 steals would not shock me, 15 home. Like I would not be shocked by that with Ben and Tindy. But it's that batting average, which is so clutch. And you put him at the top of that order that should score a ton of runs because that's what's fun about the White Sox. And I kind of talked to you about it earlier. Is like they underachieved. Like we had such high expectations of them last year because on paper, they are the best team in the division. The Guardians are a very good ball club. Like yes. I like what they, I like them even more this year than I did last year. Like I think I like what they put together there. On paper, though, I would still take the White Sox over the Guardians if we do the game plan on paper. So that's the beauty of it, and uh, I think it, it's a fun team for sure. And Benny's a, a nice addition, a cheap addition that is perfect for the White Sox. You know, it's funny as you say a cheap addition, but he signed the the know, most say, rich deal for the White Sox in yeah. history. If you can that's, believe that, says a lot about the White Sox more than uh, me calling it a cheap addition. <laughs> sure does. It sure does. Let's talk about it. You mentioned the lack of left-handed power last year with the White Sox. Well, here's a couple guys we're going to talk about here that we kind of hoped would provide left-handed power. They just haven't, or at least didn't last year. We'll start at the hot corner with Juan Moncada. And this one, you know, as a White Sox fan, you feel it. I've been team Moncada for years. I was not last year. I finally threw in the towel, and I was like, I hope he does well someday. Still young. Like, make it happen. Like, he's going to be 28 this year in May. Like, he's still mm-hmm. super young. We see guys develop in their age, 28, 29 season. It's just been a conundrum watching. Like, the bad average keeps getting worse and worse. The power disappeared. He doesn't run. What are you guys thinking about Moncada there in Chicago? Well, he's really in the doghouse and and has been for a while. And 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 some of it's not his fault, right? I mean, they traded Chris Sale for him and Kopech, and we thought we were getting – Raphael Devers obviously that hasn't worked out you know and the funny thing is is that Rick Hahn really wanted Devers more than he wanted Mancata and the Red Sox said no so he took Mancata a little different if you had the Devers at third base instead well, that would have been a big difference yeah but but I'll tell you here's the thing I think about Mancata and, and I I don't want to sound like an apologist for White Sox uh players and whatnot but you know he's battled he really was sick and he yeah. really had bad COVID and really struggled to bounce back and he was not in good shape last year physically from what I could tell. Now I, I don't have any room to talk. I understand that, but he's a professional athlete and I'm an old man. So he gets paid to stay in shape. We're just here to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So long story short, I think um, I'm, I'm more out on him this year than I have been in the past because I just don't know how to value him. You know, I mean, I do think this, though, and this is one thing that I found interesting where I might take a flyer on him later in drafts if I have my corner infielders set and I, I'm comfortable with what I have. When Pedro Grafal was in Kansas City, Salvador Perez gives Pedro Grafal most of the credit for his development as a player. Now, I don't know if you remember this, and you're a very knowledgeable baseball guy, and I'm sure that you do. But Salvador Perez had a reputation when he first came up of being kind of klutzy, kind of lazy, not in shape, mm-hmm. not taking the game very seriously. And Mancada has the same reputation of not taking it very seriously. His talent is as natural as anyone that we've mentioned on this team. Yep. He is a he is not the physical specimen of guys like Lou Bob or like Eloy, but what he does have is a brilliant left-handed swing when he's on. Yeah. And so Pedro Grafal immediately in his press conference said, we're going to fix this. We're going to, we're going to make him a better player. Um, I've seen clips of Mancada hitting bottle caps with broomsticks. I mean, it's just insane. The level of talent that he has too young to give up on him. They don't really have another option. And he's a really good defensive third baseman. I know he takes a lot of crap for that, but he's really solid there. 
Their other option is Jake Berger, who I love as a human being, and I love yeah. as a right-handed guy off the bench, but he probably can't start every day at third base. So there's, they're kind of stuck with Moncada. And I know 2019 was a long time ago. He had a great year that year. Obviously, his BABIP was out of control. No, we've never seen anything like that and never seen anything again. But I wonder if he just would stop switch hitting and just bat left-handed, and they yeah. just maybe let Berger play third base against lefties and give him a ben- uh, give him a spot on the bench once a week and try to keep him fresh. It could be better. He really struggles with these calf injuries. He cannot, he can't play unless he's a hundred percent physically right. You know, is kind of what the reputation is. Long story short, I'm kind of out on him, but if I have three guys at my, my third base and first base situation and I get down to the 27th round and he's still there, I might throw a dart on him just to see because he does have talent. And at that position, you know, it's a, it's a tall drop-off after you get past a certain point at third base. So it might be worth kind of taking a look at them, depending on where you're at in your draft. Yeah, there is a, a few, a bunch of things you mentioned I think I really like there. I like the idea of the, the hitting change. That's huge. Like people don't talk about it. Well, they starting – people are getting smarter now, so they notice those things a little more. But that's a tremendous point. Uh, he's still super young, like I, we both said. Like there's talent there. Um, I like the idea of giving him time off. Um, some of these guys, like I remember when Pablo Sandoval did it, even Cedric Mullins did it recently. You just stop switch hit. JT Snow did it when I was younger. Like you just yeah. stop switch hitting. You focus yeah. on one spot, and that might be what the coach, the manager comes in right away and goes, Hey, you have a great lefty swing. That's what we're going to work on. Screw your right handed swing. We're going to hit you left handed. We're going to play you like two thirds of the games, and we're going to do that. And you're going to be great for two thirds of the season. I think there's a lot to be said about that. And then at ADP around 288, the 27th third base has been off the board since Christmas yeah. Day. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. I'm not really in either, but at least it makes you think at that point in the draft, like when you're building your roster construction, um, all it takes, and you know it, Mike, is you know, two weeks in the spring training, he's hit four moon shots, and everyone's like, oh, he's back. And yeah. now he's going to pick like 210. And then yeah. all of a sudden, he gets two more the next week. And he's like a 180. Like, it's everyone starts thinking back to the heyday of Yohan Moncada. So, at least, at least brings him in a conversation where like last year I just crossed him off. Like, there was no way I was taking Yohan Moncada. He's in the, it's like the million dollar man once said, everyone has a price. And Yohan right, Moncada exactly. is entering the realm of, it's like he's going right next to Yandy Diaz. It's like, okay, Yandy's good. He's going to yeah. platoon too. And we know what Yandi is. Where Yoan, on the other hand, we know what he could be. <laughs> like yeah, there's, exactly. There's two, two different. And when it's like your 27th or 28th round pick, how many of those guys finish the season with you, anyways? Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's like let's take a chance. Like if pretty, you're gonna take, if you're gonna take a lottery ticket. Why not take it on a, a guy's 28 and 
could still do it. Yeah, and who was who was at one point the number one prospect in the game? If we yep. remember five six. That's years why ago. they traded. That's why they got him. Like, sure they right. wanted Devers, but Moncada. Like you said, when that trade happened, oh, it was like, oh man, they got you. Oh, I was giddy. I was giddy. Yeah. I was giddy. I couldn't believe. Yeah, hundred percent. For a guy who was cutting up his jersey a few weeks before, you know, like yeah. I, I and I, I, I think you know the hard part for me is as a fan, right? Like we're talking about fantasy baseball, but like I so badly want him to be good. Like Jack adores Joan Moncada. He loves him. And it was a, he had a superstar year when Jack first started kind of following the game. So like, I really want him to be good for Jack and for the White Sox to be good again. Um, I think he's going to bet lower in the order. I think he's going to he might hit six, but he might hit as low as seventh. I mean, his stock has fallen as far as it can. And if that's not a wake up call for him, I don't know what will be. Yep, hundred uh, percent. The last bat I had highlighted here to talk about here is Yasmani Grandal. Like talk yeah. about a fall from grace here. Uh, Grandal's like a consistent 20 plus home run guy, great OBP guy, decent average guy, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Last year, it just fell off the, the map. It just completely disappeared. His OBP skills were still decent, but his bad number just so bad. It like made his OBP skills look <laughs> bad. Five total home runs on the season. Uh, it was brutal, Mike. It was brutal. And it's gotten so bad that when you look at Yasmani Grandal now, which is crazy to think of, this guy used to be like one of the top, I'll say 10 catchers in fantasy. Absolutely. Sometimes, Sometimes higher than that, depending on where you look. He's the 21st catcher off the board right now and almost picked 300. Wow. Um, he's going after Eric Haas, who I like. But he's going after Eric Haas. So that just shows you how much he's fallen. How do you look at Grandall this year? Because I have no idea what to think about this guy. It was so bad last year. So bad. Yeah. I, there's no way that he could be that bad again, could he? Um, just based on the fact that they owe him money and that they don't have a really a, another great option. I mean, I, I thought that they might bring in somebody and I guess they still could to kind of compete for that backup job. Um, I'm not a big Sebi Zavala guy. Um, he tries real hard, but I don't think he's really any good. Um, they're going to, they're going to play him. And here's the thing that I was interesting about Grandal. So um, when we had Scott Merkin on our pod on the, the fantasy baseball beat pod, um, he mentioned that, Grandal has actually been training since the season ended with the Blackhawks strength and conditioning coach, the Chicago Blackhawks coach Interesting. In, in, in an attempt to make himself be more flexible, lower half down because he's had a lot of leg injuries, right? He had two knee surgeries in the last two years and recognized again, a similar theme for the White Sox last year. He recognized that he didn't come in in shape and not, not, not in shape to catch a hundred and some games. And it really took a toll on him. And he was swinging really poorly, making contact, but really weak contact. And so he's done like 30 to 35 of these sessions with the strength and conditioning coach. And Scott said that his body is completely changed. Like he's, he's, sl- he, he actually showed us a picture of him, like in shorts and a t-shirt. It doesn't look like the same guy. Like I, and I know, Hey, right. It's January, right? We always get into this. Best shape of my life, man. Like, you know, I'm coming in hot, you know, and I don't even know. People probably don't even say that anymore. Coming in hot. I don't know. But like, <laughs> but he had, he had a terrible season. He recognized it. He knows that he's owed a lot of money. He's also recognized as a leader on this team. And so if he's going to do that, he's got to change kind of the way he goes about his business they're going to give him an opportunity to prove that last year was a bit of a mirage. So as the 21st catcher taken off the board, I think if you're in a two catcher league and you take him as your second catcher late, if you've missed out on other people, I'm willing to take that risk and see what he gives me. I'm going to have a pretty short leash obviously on that, but this is a guy that every year, no matter what his bad average was, was always hitting 20 to 25 home runs. And as a second catcher, I think that that brings you value. He's only 34. 
It's not like he's 45, you know, like trying to do it. So there's a potential there for him to have a, a slight bounce back and it's a, and it's a um, contract year for him. So, you know, he's got a lot, he's got a lot to go, to go on there. It looks like. Yeah. I'll have to keep looking into that. Cause it's just so, so bad last season. Uh, let's go to the pitching side of things here. And the first one's pretty simple. He's an ace. Finally showed it last year is Dylan cease. Uh, he's the 10th pitcher off the board right now. He's, um, he's just amazing. Like there's, Always the concerns with walks back in the day. He, he was much, much better about that this past year. I guess it could still be a bugaboo at any time. But we saw an elite Dylan Cease, the Dylan Cease we all hoped we'd see for a long, long time. Um, do you have any concerns about Cease this year, or is he pretty much locked in for you? Yeah, he's a stud. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I I have a tendency sometimes with guys like this, uh, and it's, it's a really bad tendency. So if you're listening, don't be like me. But – we've been waiting for years for him to become what he became in, in 2022. Right. And there's always that part of me that's like, is this real? Like, can he keep this up? And, and we know, we know a couple of things for sure. Uh, We know that his ERA is not going to be what it was last year. We know that he's going to regress back towards the middle. Some, the question is how much are you thinking he's going to regress? If he gives you a three and a half ERA and strikes out 200 guys, you're going to be pretty happy with that. Yep. If he's getting closer to the four ERA or four and a half ERA, even with the 200 strikeouts, that's not what you're paying for. So the issue for me is, are there safer guys around where he is to take? Yes. Is Cease the type of guy that could hit another level? Yeah. Yeah, he could. I mean, and he's pissed because he just got signed for five and a half million dollars and the Sox aren't paying. You know, they didn't go to arbitration, but he's quietly angry. He's the guy. He's the ace. And um, I I love him. I, I think this was the year that he finally believed in himself. I, I would say to, to friends when we would watch games, I was like, it really hurts to watch this guy with his stuff, watch him not believe in himself. Because three years ago, I was telling people, I'm like, this guy's slider, forget it. If he figures it out, it's, it's game over. You have no chance. None. And so I love him and I want him to be a top 10 guy. He's outside of my top 10 in my rankings. And I will be really honest and let you guys know that in the three or four drafts that I've done so far, I've had the opportunity to take him, and I haven't because I'm hedging a little bit on it. Like I, I kind of want to see him do it again. And I know that that's idiotic for fantasy purposes because yeah. he is what he is. But if you look at, if I look at it and I say, Hey, if I could get Zach Wheeler or cease, like, and maybe Wheeler, because I know he's done it before. He's done it a couple times. Or Brandon Woodruff, like, I'm, I, you know, I'm torn, you know. Like, it's hard for me as a fan of a team and watching that guy pitch every fifth day and as a fantasy player to look at that and say, Jesus, God, you know, this guy is really, really good. Do other people view him the same way that I do? Or am I just being, because I'm a fan, am I just, and because I've been so burned by the White Sox for 50 years, do I not believe in him? And but the stuff is there. He's going to regress. It's just a question, I think, of how much do you believe he's going to go back the other way? 100%. That's like we, we share a lot of similar feelings. And, hey, don't think it's bad, uh, or, or maybe we're both bad, but I say that a lot about position players, pitchers, like do it do it a second time for me. Like I missed out on Kevin Gossman before. I missed out on other guys because, like, I got to see it again. Um, also is I don't like to pay for a career year. 
Um, I got mm-hmm. Nola and Woodruff going right after him in ADP. I'll take them over him every single time. I guess yeah. just who I am. Um, and because I'm more of a cautious drafter early, and that's just well, yeah. of, I know what I'm getting. And obviously, anything can happen. And could Cease take the next step, like you said, a hundred percent. Like I'm not going to try to fight anybody on if they say he's this elite guy. Because I'm like, oh, I, yeah, I could see it. Like I'm not telling you you're wrong. But I've seen this other guy. Like I've seen Aaron Nola. Literally, I can't remember what stat I saw the other day. Um, he like blows away the the field over the last like six years and. I don't know if it was a win, like wins above replacement or some pitching stat that I was just like, wow, like just totally just dominated. Yeah, the department. It, so. he's almost underrated, right? And, uh, yeah, and and I think about like the helium on some of these guys, right? Like like Lucas Giolito, who I'm sure that we'll bring up in this in this segment as well, right? Like he was like the tenth or eleventh guy taken off the board yeah. a lot of times last year, and I was like, I can't do that. Like I just I love him. I, I'm a huge fan, but I'm like I don't. I got to see him continue to do that like i don't believe it you know yep. let's, go to right. G, let's jump to g Lito now we'll come we'll backtrack here in a second but you mentioned him and you know he's got an adp of like 152 right now and he was the ace and you know i still believe there's a chance he could find that again because he was so good for like three or four years like he was really really good and last year was a disaster he had a couple still really good starts intermixed in there but there's yeah. so many bad it was really bad and i don't know if you saw it today or not but i was just kind of bored scrolling twitter at one point in time and there's video of him working on new mechanics. Like yeah. he was throwing a bullpen session. And that's might be what it is. Cause like I talk about it a lot that I listen to the Chris Rose rotation and he's one of the main guys in the rotation. And he is open and honest mm-hmm. and he's talked about so many things. I love the players that are on that because there's they're 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 not hiding it. And right, um, right. Geo's talked about it like, hey, I got this thing that's screwed up. I've been working on it. I'm trying to figure this out. Like they're picking up on my pitches. Like I, I gotta get all it. He knows there was a mess. So he's yeah. in the lab. He's in that. It is the middle of January. Sure, pitchers and catchers report in like four weeks. But he's been in the lab, obviously, working on stuff. So that's at least somewhat promising at a pick 152. But what's your thoughts on 2023? I doubt we see the ace Giolito, mm-hmm. but it can't be as bad as last year either. No. I, I've had a couple of drafts where I've got him as a number three starter, and I was giddy. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 I, and I, here's why. Look, you said it exactly right. You, you have to be a huge fan of the man. He's a great guy. He's great with the kids in town. Like he's everybody, he gets around to talk to people, whatever. And his pitching coach, Ethan Katz was his pitching coach in high school. And a lot of people nationally, I don't know if they know that or not, but Ethan Katz was the pitching coach for him and Jack Flaherty and Max Freed. Not a bad rotation. Although Max Freed did not pitch on that team, if you can believe anything. So isn't that wild? So long story short, um, Giolito is a really cerebral guy. He's a really, really smart, nerdy type of guy who probably thinks too much to be a really good pitcher sometimes. But I think what happened last year, he came into camp huge. He put on 20 pounds of weight because he said, I wear out towards the middle of the season. I can't keep weight on. I'm too skinny. I put on this weight. And I think the weight really messed him up mechanics-wise. So he was on the radio here last week and he said, I lost 20 pounds as soon as the season was oh, over. That, bull, like, that bullpen footage I saw, yeah. oh, it, look, it looked skinny again. Like, yeah, he, looked, so he looked like in his, yeah. He took it off and he's limber again. And I, and I think the other thing that really, when you talk about pitch lab with him, the thing with him that really baffled me last year was his changeup was nowhere to be found. And depending on who was catching, they were putting the fingers down and he did not, he didn't want to do it. And his changeup when he was really, really good two years ago and really, really good the year before that, he was throwing that and really, really goofing people up. His velocity was down. I know a lot of people talk about, 
He, is he a victim of the sticky tack situation? His spin rate was down. I think it's just because he's a constant tinkerer. And I think he's going to be better this year than what he was last year. The other thing is this. Again, he's not a complainer. But he had a really bad issue with that abdominal muscle that he did not let anybody know about for three or four weeks. He tried to pitch through it because he knew that they needed him. And he pitched like absolute garbage. And he knows that. He also had COVID. Yep. And and so, like, he had a, a season from hell, and he still was 11 and 9. Yep. So, not a great season. The strikeouts were still there. The wins yep. were still there. I'm. He's intact. He's yep. just got to fix it. If you want to bet on somebody to fix it that's not, that should not be the 52nd or 62nd pitcher taken off the board, it's Lucas Giolito. Bye. Get in on this guy. Yep. I'm glad we are 100% on the same page there. Like, I love everything about – what he's already done to fix things. And yeah, it's, I'm, I'd be shocked. And like I said, it might not be the ace level, but he's going to definitely be better than last season. Um, let's talk about a guy that I kind of com- call my spirit animal from time to time. <laughs> and that's Lance Lynn. Cause literally he doesn't care, which, no. is, be- which is beautiful. Like literally he could come out of bed, like have hat hair, full beard, just not care. Um, he wears all the different shirts to make a point without saying it, which I respect a lot. Like he's he's a great human being, you can tell, but he's also just like, I'm not gonna take your crap at the same time. Like it's a it's yeah. a great, it's a great mixture, which I love, and I want that on the mound. That's yeah. a bulldog on the mound. And one thing about Lance Lynn, last year is different because he was hurt, but once he got back, he was there. He's just a workhorse, man. He's gonna give you your innings, he's gonna get you your strikeouts, and you just hope he doesn't get blown up too often. And usually he doesn't. Yeah. Um What's your thoughts on Lance Lynn going into 2023? Because it's kind of one of those, he's never really sexy. He's kind of boring, but man, he just accumulates those numbers for you in the end. Yeah, he's one of my all-time favorite players in, his, in baseball, right? Like when the Sox got him, I was so excited. And a lot of people were like, oh, they just got a fat guy. He was out of shape, blah, blah, blah. I go, wait till you see him pitch. Yep. Don't matter. Don't matter. Yep. So to your point, when he came back, he had the knee injury that didn't get fixed, which was a bit of a mystery. Yep. Came back in the second half, seven and two. Uh, 252 ERA, 0.97 whip, uh, 89 strikeouts and 85 in the third innings, 3.7% walk rate, right? So, you know, here's a guy that, like you said, 70% of the pitches he throws are fastballs, and he just says, hit it, do what you can with it. And he, a well-placed fastball is still the best pitch in baseball, and 100%. everyone knows that, right? So, yep. so you got a guy that will take the ball every fifth day. Now, the other thing that's interesting about Lance Lynn this year, too, is that the reports, and I haven't seen it, I know he's pitching for the uh, United States in the World Baseball Classic. So he picked up a ball earlier, about a month earlier than what he had said he was going to, and supposedly has dropped a few pounds. Now, if that's the case, I like him even more. But we remember remember skinny Lance Lynn, though? It's not a thing. It's not. No, you know, some guys are meant to be big. Yeah, no. Skinny Lance Lynn a few years ago wasn't very good. So, like, I hope he didn't get too, too in shape. But here's the thing. On this team um, – He's a really, really good number three, right? I mean, I think Cease is number one. I think Giolito's going to bounce back and be number two. If Lance Lynn is your third starter, I think you're in really good shape. So I was, I'm in an on the wire uh, uh, podcast league that I did a listener league. It was very competitive. The people that were in that division, I don't want to play against them again because they were kicking my fanny on the. I was getting sniped left and right. Nice. Um, Art Art Tornabini, you know who you are, yeah. jerk. what a jerk what a jerk so anyway long story short um what i did and building my pitching staff for that one um i ended up with woodruff and framber valdez and i took lance lynn and peralta on a turn 
And so I, I had f- four guys that I feel really pretty strongly about are a good base of operations for my pitching. Um, guys that can get me some strikeouts, guys that are going to give me worry-free innings, which is kind of what I was going for with that. We'll see how it works out, but I love Lance Lynn. I think, I think he gets drafted way too low, and I think it's because of what you said. He's not sexy. Um, he's just a really solid guy, and he's 35. I think he's still got another year or two of this in him, quite honestly. Yep, it's a, it's one of the beautiful picks uh, where you get him at ADP. You literally just put him in every week, and you don't have to worry about him. It's it's a great luxury to have. The last two guys in the rotation, I'm just going to pair together here. It's Mike Clevenger who they picked up, and Michael Kopech. And it's like Clevenger is a shell of his former self to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's gonna, maybe he'll find it, maybe he won't. I'm I'm out. And then Kopech, I just don't know if he can go deep into games and keep the velocity. So I'm pretty much out on both of them. Do you have any like highlights or positive thoughts on those two? No, I mean, I might dart throw on Clevenger later on uh, just to, you know, for the hell of it. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't really know what he's got. I, I didn't really see him pitch in San Diego last year, so I'm kind of flying blind on that. But you had you had to catch the first few innings or you missed it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't really know. I mean, I, I know a lot of people in Chicago were upset that they let Cueto walk and they wanted Cueto to come yeah. back. Um, I, I think, you know, Clevenger, if he's healthy, can be a pretty adequate replacement for Cueto in terms of, you know, he's going to give you some strikeouts. He's going to he's going to give you some octane. So we'll see how that works out. Kopech, I've always been out on because I, I just can't trust him. I mean, yep. um, they talked at the end of the season and when they were interviewing Ethan Katz, the White Sox pitching coach, he said, you know, my goal for Kopech next year is five innings or 85 pitches, whatever comes first. You can't have that on a fantasy team, no matter what you think his pedigree is going to be. And quite honestly, he's better suited for a bullpen role. They don't have that for him right now because of the fact that, you know, they've got three guys that are kind of all vying for the same position right now. He was really good in that stopper role for them um, uh, two years ago. And then they put him in the rotation, which I think was a mistake. I don't think he has value to me as a rotation piece. Yeah, it's a tricky one for sure. So maybe they'll figure that out one way or another and gets, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. Uh, let's head to the bullpen now. Uh, obviously, sad news for Liam Hendricks with the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Right side is that's uh, never say curable of cancer, but it's very beatable my dad had it recently my dad had it recently uh for the second time but um about six seven months of hardcore chemo he's in the clear again so that's amazing that's awesome that's great news so like i have confidence that liam's gonna be fine it, obviously anything can happen but if you want a guy to fight something probably towards the top of the list like he'd be the oh, guy yeah. he's gonna he's gonna whip its ass basically so i'm not yeah. too worried about him um but on the obviously fantasy wise we have to look at the other side of this um, you know, every depth chart you look at, Kendall Graveman's the man. But I'll 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 save the guy you're mentioning because I've talked about it on other shows as well because I've drafted him in many DCs already because I'm a big yeah. fan of him. That was before the unfortunate Liam Hendricks news. But how do you see this bullpen playing out right now, especially if you're hitting the draft season? Yeah, really simply, I think you're right. I think I think it's Graveman's job to lose at this point. Um, he has some experience closing. He's got about 16 career saves, I think. Uh, 10 of those, I think, came with Seattle before he got moved to Houston. And then he I think he had five or six last year for the Sox when he was spelling Hendricks. Um, you know, Hendricks has got a bit of an elbow issue that a lot of people don't know about. He was on a radio show over the summer and he was talking about how his elbow goes clickety clack, oh, uh, which is which is not a good sign. But, no, you know, no. he's actually it's not an Under Armour commercial. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually been pitching with a partially torn UCL for about the last five or six years. And a lot of people don't know that. So he's just a he's a warrior. Like you said, I mean. People use that term all the time, but he's just a bad dude. Like, he's super tough. I think it's going to be Graveman. I think that the one dark horse candidate here is Ronaldo Lopez. 
who um, I, I really think the White Sox are really conservative in how they construct their bullpen. And they're always a little bit behind uh, what the modern game is, I think, in the bullpen. So I think they'll go Graveman to close. I think Ronaldo Lopez clearly has the stuff to be able to do the job if they wanted to go in that direction. He's 29. He's not a kid anymore. He proved his worth in the bullpen. Um, one of the things that uh, a lot of people don't know about Ronaldo Lopez is that um, when he was starting, he, re- he re- realized that he couldn't see very well. And uh, they gave him contacts, which seemed like a pretty simple solution. But then they also realized that he really struggled to be able to sustain attention. And so they put him into that bullpen role. And I think they gave him a little bit of maybe Stratera or Ritalin to kind of help him focus a little bit. And he turned into a monster. Um, this is a guy who's got a first as a first round pick. He's got an t- incredible pedigree. Pilfered from the Nationals in the same trade where they got Giolito and Dane Dunning for Adam Eaton. Yep, that's such uh, a great and Ronaldo was the actually the biggest piece of that deal at that point in time. Correct, correct. <laughs> so I, I think he could do that, but here's the thing. The White Sox now know the value of having a stopper in the middle mm-hmm. of that bullpen. And it's not going to be Kopech and Crochet's not back uh probably for another month, maybe two months into the season. Hard to say coming back off the of Tommy John. So Crochet could go into that position and they could move Lopez up to uh the closer role. But lying in the weeds is the one and only Liam Hendricks. And if anybody can be back in three months from from lymphoma, it's this guy. Now, I'm not holding my breath on that, and I just want him to be well. I mean, life is so much more important than just baseball or fantasy stuff. We're just having a good time talking here with a couple of beers hanging out, right? But um, I think it's Graveman to start. I think Raylo could be the guy that's in there, too. They also have Joe Kelly kicking around in there who's got some experience closing. But I think they would feel most comfortable management-wise if it was Graveman's job. Yeah, and Ronaldo's got an ADP of 526. So that's why I said I've been taking him in a lot of NFBC 50s that I've been doing late just because. And at worst, like people, if you, when you do those formats, you get to the point in the season where you just need pitchers. And like, if I can get Ronaldo to throw two or three times a week, I'll take my chances out of the bullpen in in that regard. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you rather have a guy like that than taking somebody's lousy seventh starter? Like, I mean, you, you, middle relievers are in play now, man. Like, they have been for a couple of years. And, I, I know a lot of people ask about that in private messages. Or I shouldn't say direct. Me- what do they call them on Twitter? DMs or whatever. They they reach out to me and they'll say, "Hey, you know, I've got a choice to take. I'm going to take Eric Lauer." And I'll say, "Well, what you know, what uh, other middle relief pitchers are available?" And they'll be like, "Well, there's this guy named Andres Munoz." I'm like, "Yeah, take him. Take like, him. Yeah, yeah. Take him right <laughs> don't take Eric Lauer. Like, uh, no offense to Eric Lauer, he's yeah. a fine pitcher, but like in a fantasy format, like you're yep. way better off going with the middle relief guy. Quality that's over awesome. quantity." these days quality yeah. over quantity yep 100 percent uh last thing we'll hit on here before we head on out and honestly it's like i'm not the biggest prospect guy but usually if there's like big prospects i have an idea i don't know if there's a ton coming out of chicago unless i'm missing something here so um is there at least for this season like do we have anything close this i know oscar Colos has been a popular name in the dc circuits yeah. is there anything we're kind of seeing as a potential impact at some time this season for fantasy no, you know, I think I think Colas is going to be the starting right fielder right out of camp unless he has a horrible spring. Um, they they haven't shown any inclination that they're playing any type of uh, you know game with his free agency or any of that kind of stuff, right? You know, the the time manipulation game that a lot of teams play. I think that they've built this team with the idea that Colas will be the right fielder sooner than later. They're going to put him into a position where he's a he's a he's a plus outfielder. Um, which is surprising. A lot of people, you know, he played center field a lot in the minors. He's going to play right field for the Sox. He's got incredible power. 
um, you know, similar stocks guys that they have there. And I think that they really firmly believe this is a guy that can walk in and hit like 270 and hit 20 to 25 home runs and play a pretty good right field, which has been sorely lacking. I mean, they haven't had a really good right fielder. It's been a long time, you know? I mean, um, Avi Garcia had a good year in there, but like really since the time of like Jermaine Dye, Meglio, Ordonez, they haven't really had like a really great right fielder, you know? And so uh, Colas, the hope is that he's going to be that guy because they don't really have a fallback option. I mean, they've got Gavin Sheets, who is not an outfielder, is best probably suited as a bench bat and maybe playing once a week. They've got Lurie Garcia, who I can't even talk about rationally anymore. Um, they signed Victor Reyes and they signed uh, Jake Marisnik, but I think that they're looking at them more as like late inning defensive type replacement kind of guys if they need them. Marisnik's obviously a strong defensive player, not a really good offensive player. So they don't really have a backup option at this point unless they were to sign somebody. They had been kind of linked to Adam Duval, but then Adam Duval signed, I think, with the Red Sox today. So um, they don't really have a fallback option. Besides him, there's really nobody else to know prospect-wise. I mean, they got a guy named Colson Montgomery who's still a couple of years away left side of the infield. Um, they got a couple of pitchers. You know, Jimmy Lambert had some signs last year, not really a prospect anymore, but was a, a, a middle relief guy. Um, Davis Martin, who was uh, got some spot starts for them, they're relatively high on as a starter. They got a couple of other guys, but I think this team is really built right now to try to win this year and win the division this year. I think the hard part about that is that it's a nice team on paper, but they're not better than Houston. They're not better than the Yankees. Like, you know, I'm kind of left scratching my head as a Sox fan going like, yeah, I like Ben Benintendi. I like adding Clevenger. That's fine. But like they're banking on these guys having a return to what they thought they were going to be before COVID and before the the disaster of last season, where it didn't seem like anybody was really all that interested in playing, quite honestly, when you watch the team. They're banking on those guys just being normal and winning 90 games. I I, I think it's probably a fairly safe bet at this point if they have health. Um, but, but to your point, I mean, they didn't really go out and light the world on fire. They weren't going to go out and sign a, a big time free agent. They, that's just not their style. Yep. Unfortunately, that's what some teams do. Hey, you could have done what the giants did and really piss people off. So it's okay. I'd rather almost have your off season, all things said and done, but, uh, Mike, we're going to wrap it up there. Outstanding White Sox preview. Got a lot of good stuff there because there are a lot of fun pieces with the White Sox. There really are, especially for the fantasy landscape. Like there's some just good baseball teams. And there's fantasy baseball teams. And this is one of those kind of fantasy teams where, you know, at least if they're playing, you want to check in on them because you got some access or some action probably at some point in time there. So it's a uh, pretty good stuff there. Before we sign out, why don't you let everybody again, once, once again, know where they can find you and what you got going on. Well, if you don't know already, I have the worst Twitter handle in the history of, of man. Whenever I'm on a podcast, everybody laughs as they read it. So I, I joined Twitter several years ago to follow my daughter, who was like in third grade doing something as a Twitter project. So my, my Twitter handle is at MDRC0508. Super stupid, really dumb. Um, I take all kinds of direct messages from you guys if you've got questions about bullpens or fantasy stuff. I also, in real life, work in the mental health field. And so if you're ever in a position where you're struggling or you need resources or someone to talk to, I'm always open to that. Uh, I will I will call you. I will talk to you. I'll help you find resources in the town that you live in if you need to. Um, and I write at Fantrax, as you said. I'm kind of trying to expand my footprint a little bit at Fantrax this year and try out writing some different things. Besides bullpens, I'm still going to do that, but trying out some different things. And I write more narrative pieces for 980 Know-It-All, as you pointed out before. So I try to stay busy. I'm really fortunate to be in the industry. And before we go... 
the one thing I want to say to you, Bubba, is thank you. You were one of the first people that ever gave me an opportunity to come on a podcast and talk. Um, when you, when I was first starting to write, I was doing things in my basement and like starting to write and trying to try to carve out some things and listening to you gave me confidence to realize that maybe I could do that too, because of the way that you are, the style that you have. And it was such a motivating thing for me to listen to you every week. I felt like I knew you before I even ever got a chance to know you. And so it was an incredible experience for a guy. I'm older than you guys. I'm a middle-aged guy to be able to get into this field, whatever we call it, the industry, quote unquote, and be able to rub elbows with people like you. It's like, I honestly, it's like a dream come true for me. So thank you for having me and, you know, listening to you and Ryan, um, the stuff that you guys are doing on the pod and uh, the stuff that you've done with Toby. I mean, it's just, it's part of my daily weekly life, you know? And so Thank you for that. And thank you for having me on and giving me a platform to kind of share with you. Uh, you're one of the best in the biz at what you do. And so it's a pleasure for me to be able to be on with you. It's really humbling. So thank you so much. Well, I appreciate it. Those are way too kind of words for a guy that just talks into a microphone. But uh, thank you very much. And it's uh, it's fun. It's what we do. And that's why we do it. So I'm glad you got to uh, take your step into this because you're doing some great stuff. And I hope people enjoy it. As always, make sure you find out, follow the good doc. On Twitter, what is it? MDRC zero five zero eight. Yeah, so so it's literally it's literally my initials and number five because my favorite player growing up was George Brett, and then uh, number eight for Cal Ripken, who was also one of my favorite players growing up. So super dumb, um, ridiculous. Um, I, the funny thing about the doctor thing is I'm not. Please don't think I'm a doctor. Oh, I know. I <laughs> I'm know. A, that's, that's part I, of the joke for everybody. Yeah, knows. right, right. I'm a, I'm a special ed teacher, but for those of you who might not know, I'm a, I'm a special ed teacher by trade. I've worked at a therapeutic day school for 28 years, so um, that's what I do in my day job because uh, nobody will pay me what I get paid to work uh, at the therapeutic day school level yeah. to do this, right? So yeah, that's why we, that's why we all have jobs. We exactly, have exactly. Jobs. 100%. Yeah, check me out on Twitter, everybody. Fantrax, the awesome podcast, the fantasy baseball beat, and much, much more. But for now, this was Bench with Bubba, your Chicago White Sox season preview with the one, the only, Mike Carter. Catch you all later.